The Football Association recorded 3,731 incidents of misconduct by parents at youth football matches in the 15 months up to November 2013, nearly 250 every month. In June 2016, a father was given a suspended prison sentence for repeatedly punching the coach of his son's opposing under-9s football team in the face. Parents will shout opposite instructions, question the coach's authority, demand to know why the team's philosophy is this rather than that, and all the while, the volunteer coach has to navigate a host of issues and sometimes a barrage of questions just to get their under-8 team on the pitch each week, leading some to quit. In this episode, we look at interfering or pushy parents and discuss. Hello, I'm Andy Glover, one of your hosts, alongside my regular co-host, Mark Grinter. Hello, Hello Mark. Hello, Andy. How are you this evening? I'm oh, doing well. Okay, so before we go further, I would just like to thank our sponsor, Rachel's Bookkeeping, for all of your bookkeeping needs. Um, also, before I go further, I would just like to mention two people who sadly um, recently passed away. The first is Clive Marsh, who was dragged out of a barber shop by Leg Stroud in 1968 to referee our very first match and went on to assist a number of teams and also be our first vice chair and our thoughts are with his wife Shirley and all those who knew him. And then just last week a much younger loss in Alex Thompson, just 18 years old. Alex joined our soccer tots and played until his team ended and was a much loved member of that team and all who knew him. And our condolences are with Joanne, Sophie and Amy. And of course, Joanne is still a great friend to our club in her role at Summerdale Pavilion. And there are many here deeply affected by the tragic loss of Alex. We are recording tonight in Kingsham Leisure Centre, in case you hear any strange or unusual background noises. The reason for that is that, well, Mark and I are very busy. Um, Mark is here tonight. Why are you here, Mark? Uh, my daughter is, swims for Kingsham Swimming Club, so, so four nights of the week she is swimming. So, But uh, more than that, we, we have a meeting on Thursday because on Saturday and Sunday of this week, it's the first ever Fight Club JFC Girls and Ladies Football Tournament. And that's this weekend, so we've been building up to that. Um, there's also the usual training to go through, and so our lives have been extremely hectic over the last few weeks. Yes. And um, and hopefully there may even be a podcast around that if if we can turn to it. But um, yes, yeah, so in case you hear any sort of strange noises in the background, bangs, we're actually right next to the gym, <laughs> so there's a few thuds going on behind us. But have no fear, we'll we'll try and get through. Um, also, before we continue. I'd also like to refer back to the Big Walk podcast and ask Mark, how much did we finally raise? The grand total... Hello. Now you, now you got me. Oh, I don't know offhand. I know what the figure is. Uh, since 2019, we've given the hospice £7,196. I think this, this time around was over... Same much has gone on since four and a half thousand, so like four, four and a half to five thousand pounds. It was, it might have even been more than that. In but fact, I think the grand total. Thinking about it, because we gave the hospice over three thousand, so it was over six thousand. That's going through all the charity events, the big walk, the 
Mile a day in May. Yeah, so the, the two the two big events together. Yeah, and uh, what um, one of our friends who helps with the under 15s coaches, Gaz Whittington, also raised some of the charity tournament that he did. But the big events, the two big events and stuff, yeah, it was about six grand in the end in total. Phenomenal totals. Okay, so we usually start our podcasts with a quote, and you know, hey, this is no different. So. Jack Walton, he's the, or he is or was the regional coach development manager at the FA for five to eleven-year-olds, says, "I ask parents what their first question is when their child comes home from a match. If it's what was the score, that tells the player subconsciously that the parent isn't bothered about what they learned or how they performed, only the outcome." Even something as simple as changing that first question starts to make a difference. Now, you and I, Mark, have been together long enough and seen enough parents that I'm sure we have a number of people in mind for this episode Mm -hmm. and the topics that we're going to discuss. So let's start with the Jack Walton quote. And I ask you, what's wrong with asking what was the score? It makes it competitive. At this age, it's certainly the younger age, probably even all the way up. You could argue all the way up to under 16s. I think there's a case maybe when they hit the competitive, when the FA competitive things comes to under 12. Up to under 12s, the score does not matter. It's developing, it's having fun, it's in teamwork, everything by that. The scores are irrelevant in the FA to under 12. Now, everybody can get involved in it and, you know. You know, it, it does matter, blah, 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 to a degree. But it, it doesn't. It's all about them enjoying it. Um, and that's, yeah. So that's what's wrong with that. The first question should be, did you have fun? Hmm. Um, what? Yeah, did you have fun? It's almost should be the most important question. Did you enjoy it? What did you learn? Did you do, what did you do well? Uh, and that should be it. The score is almost irrelevant. I think, as I said, when we've had players, under sevens, under eights, and under nines, half the time they come up and say, "Did we win?" Yes. Yeah. We've. I, I've <laughs> had a. I, I've had a game very recently, and and people were moaning at me about the the formation and how we were doing, and worried that the players would react badly if we lost the game. And at the end, they was they asked me what was the score. Yeah. The players said that they, they had no idea whether they were winning or losing. Um, however, you also know that you run under nines. Your under yeah. nines are competitive. They are. They, they want to win. Yes, they do. But is that now? Is that because they're competitive, or is that because their parents are competitive and it is ingrained in them? I think with, with my team at present, and we are we've spoken to the parents this year. We we just did exceptionally well. We when they started. Two years ago, well, under yeah, when they were under eights, I told the parents we will not win a game till Christmas. We didn't lose all year, so it just got ingrained in them. We didn't go out to win every game. That wasn't the plan. Didn't think we were going to, but they just got used to it. It's now sort of un- you're almost a victim of your own success in that. The plan should be develop and grow, and that that was originally the plan. But we won, we won, we won, and every game we won. So the parents then start thinking, this is the norm. Um, we should win every single game, and 
no team does that. No, and you know, so and the coming season when we're going to go into under ten girls, we're going to drop the philosophy again. We so go again. I'm going to go to them. I'm not planning to win any game till Christmas this year because we're going to. I'm not 100% convinced, but that's a different story. But we're going to do swapping positions. We're going to do other stuff to make them develop as players. Because so, the results, when I'm away, even as a coach, I think you can get engrossed in winning, winning, winning. But in the cold light of day, it is developing them as people and as players. And we're fortunate enough, again, which will fortunate or unfortunate with the under nine girls and again it's going to be managing parents expectations i think we've got seven girls going to the somerset trials this week so again that's that level of expectation and competitiveness if and there's seven maybe two or three will get in who knows but so our, yeah our it's weird because obviously our team the under 15s boys i was just speaking to one of the parent parents at the swimming down there I think we've only we've got to two finals and one one, and that's and probably a normal grassroots football team. That's the have our girls have won five or six competitions already, and got to two two fight two other finals which they've lost, and it's the parents who are more devastated than the, the, the children half the time the girls, um, so that is a di- it's a different challenge for me. I think, yeah. That's where I am. You have made a bit of a rod for your own back, yeah. It's going to be, why aren't we winning now if you do start, if your results change because you're trying to develop and trying to sell that development side, isn't it? Yeah. So, okay. and it's develop, yeah, developing them as individuals. And and you're now going to have the parents. And this is the issue of, of tonight's podcast, isn't it? How you deal with those parents. Yes. So, okay. So, Dr. Jens Omley. California Polytechnic State University describes four main types of parents. He says you've got the demanding coach parent who shouts instructions and unsolicited advice. We know those. The crazed spectator who likes to shout at the referee or coach and just cheers wildly, which children can find embarrassing. The distracted spectator, that's the parent who talks to other parents while the match is going on or stands on their phone. And finally, the actual supportive parent who'll stand there and clap when, at the right moment and cheer at the right moment and, you know, regardless who scored and do the right thing. Now, I think we all know examples of all four. Now, from my point of view, my very first team, my star striker, his parent, very, very demanding. He was shouting instructions to his son all the time, regardless if we were saying, let's go left. He was shouting, run this way, run that way, pass it to him, pass it to him. And it was off-putting. And, and back then, I was a much younger manager, and I, it was very difficult to rein it in. And in, in some ways, when he left, it became easier because I was left with a better set of parents, and we became a better team, and we ended up in the first division without him. Um, but I think I would deal with it better now as a much more experienced manager. The craze won, well, our current team, and I think we both know the, the woman I, I remember. Yeah. Um, the, the game against Kensham where she's shouting just the, nothing to do with the game, just shouting at her son. So much so that somebody from the opposition came over and said, can you please shut her up? <laughs> that was so funny. And we're like, no, she's, she's cheering her son on. She, yeah. uh, that, was, that was hilarious. I have to admit it. I still look back on that day fondly. Um, distracted parent? Yep. Well, not in, our, not in any of my teams, I don't think. But I know a, a team of another 
uh, another phase where the parent, I'll be honest, doesn't know a lot about football, would stand there and just chat to other parents and look at her phone. And I'm, I'm not blaming women again. On, I wouldn't blame women on this one, but this lady knows nothing about football and it was she was there more it was to, it was a social thing and then finally i mean i prefer you know. personally i prefer parents like that rather than the parents who drop off and pick up yes but the the, the this um this doctor uh, omley uh, he, he said that's the, the one who are distracted the children find that quite bothersome because they want the parents to see them doing things and they, are they just as bad as the parents who dropped off and gone because they're, they're still not paying attention. Yes, they are there physically, but they're not paying attention. Um, and yeah, supportive. Yeah, I, I did have one, my very first team again. Um, his son played with me for a long time. He was, he was sort of the, the first sub I turned to and he, he understood football. And that was the good thing. It was somebody who understood football. He understood his son was right on the brink of the team and he would cheer. And that's the sort of parent you kind of want, isn't it, really? Yes. Who's going to understand where you're going so he can, he can watch the game, understand you're trying to develop the team, understand that his boy sometimes has to come off because he's not quite as good as everybody else or in that situation or when you're developing, he has to play in this position or that position and would cheer everybody when, when it was needed. Um, have you got parents in any of those? Demanding or crazed or distracted or just... Supportive, which is what you need. The majority of mine in the, the girls' team, I think because they're new, a lot to it, new, are supportive. We certainly have demanding. Do we, have, we don't have many that are embarrassing and crazy. They're all quite... They're obviously generally cheer more for their own child, but as a general group, they do cheer for all the players. Um, I do have one, one parent... For the demanding and doing what the coach does differently who will tell their daughter to do stuff differently and we had the joys of the silent weekend and went so far as learning sign language <laughs> so he didn't <laughs> so she had to look over while he was doing signals for her to, so that she knew what he wanted her to do so <laughs> which i only found out afterwards and so Yes, that will be dealt with if we ever have to do a silent weekend again. That maybe not, but again, they are very supportive to the other girls as well. But and he generally, to be fair to him, tries what we're trying to do as a team, get her to do as an individual. So apart from his distracting for her, and now the younger ones have come out of swimming now. So, but oh joy, but they'll um. Yeah, so we do have that. The distracted ones at the again, maybe next season it might be different when we're not winning and it's more about the developing. But at the moment, because we're winning, they're quite invested. They are very invested in the team and the girls. So, be interesting what happens next year. But for all mine, they're they're all brilliant, but they are, they are heavily invested. So you have that added pressure of they mm. want their girls to be part of it and to be involved all the time um so for me a lot of my issues or things is that is having to deal with parents after the match is over yeah trivial thing nothing horrible with them i think to be honest obviously you want a supportive parents i'm i've no personal issue with distracted parents obviously the child might be a bit upset by that but they're there still. They're there in body, and yes, the child maybe. I've got no issue with that. The crazed parent. I have no issue with the crazed parent at all. 
as long as they're not shouting abuse at the coach or the referee, as long as they're shouting wildly in general support, as this lady was, I have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. The one I have problems with is obviously the demanding parent who will shout, especially the ones who will shout opposite instructions to what we're giving, because they are they are causing a problem. You're trying to set the way the team play, you're trying to set direction, you're trying to say this is how you do it, and you've got, at the moment, you're seven aside now? Seven aside so you've for got, one more year. So you've got six players on the pitch playing a certain way, and the seventh player is not because she's not paying attention to you. No. And that, that then that then stops the development of the whole team because they're passing it to that player and then expecting it to go in a certain way and the whole the other six will go and move up the field in a certain way and that seventh player just throws the whole thing out yeah. and the, the whole the whole process breaks down all because that parent is interfering now i mean what we how did, do you deal with that what we did and we've stopped it so i might go back to it this year was at the beginning of the game we got the girls to run over to the parents and say, we're not listening to you this the next hour. We're just listening to the coaches. So the instruction had come over that they're not going to listen to you. And we told the parents that we were going to do this um, because it was just the one voice. Um, again, it's almost the same thing. They wouldn't go into the school and tell their um, the teacher how to teach. Um, so that's what how we dealt with it, and it it worked. Mm. Um, and it said we might go back to it again this year because it, it was creeping in again at the end towards the end of last season. Well, what I did have, what I think about, I did have one other example uh, in my team of a previous team where a parent was a bit like that, and in the end, the only way I dealt with it was they became part of the management team, and I was then able to say this is my process. And they were like, oh, yeah, 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 I understand. And then they became part of the management team. And it, it worked in the end. It took a while, but it worked in the end sort yeah, of thing. And that I've was the way that. to do it. I've done that on a couple of mine. And you yeah. just bring them in. Well, I said, well, the, the first conversation is when they say this as well. Want to get involved? Yeah. And yeah, if, yeah. They, if they're serious about it, they do. And if not, so far, I might have been lucky, they shut up. Yeah. Because... Well, if I'm not going to get involved, I really you, you can't comment. I mean, again, I mean I don't know how I'll be. I said my daughter's going for these trials at Somerset. If she's fortunate enough to get in, even at the trials, will oh, I? Oh, you've got a, you've got to shut up. Might, oh yeah yeah, 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 you've got to shut up there. <laughs> yeah, I've got to be this quiet. This is this is proper. You got to shut up there. I've got to be quiet. So I to see it from the other side would be interesting. But yeah, I will be. But yeah, it, I'm, I'm no doubt it won't be easy. Yeah. But I am looking forward to it as well. So, I did find one example actually online. I did search around for this sort of thing, and there's one. It was quite a good one where a head coach asked the assistant to take the halftime team talk, walked round, sat down next to the father, and said, "Yeah, it's great to see you involved and you care about your daughter's in- involvement." Um, but there's only one coach during the game. Footballers have to focus on that one voice and play within our system, and uh, means doing what's best for the team. So your daughter can't do this while you're consistently telling her what to do, which is often counter to what we want her to do. So now I'd like to get your daughter back into the game at some point, but only when she follows our instructions. Yeah. And that's and that's how we left it. And the the dad apparently the dad got it and shut up. I think I think most of them do. I mean, again, demand the best one I've seen on again. I don't know the outcome, what happened. Hopefully, 
he got into trouble was um, there was a, a game again it, it, they looked like under eights under nine something like that and the goalkeeper and the dad was talking to the boy trying to tell you know do this blah, and the shot came in as it was coming in the boy was looking at the dad and the dad pushed the boy the oh, goal that's a video that's a, that's a widely shared video and, uh, listeners but, if you haven't seen it look out for that and it's it's indicating you know well, obviously they would have conceded a goal, but he physically, and in some ways, I'm hoping it was his son that he pushed. Because <laughs> fairly certain it was his son. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. So you, there are incidents like that, and I mean, but that's probably the best way to deal with it. In honest, is to say, you know, your, your, your daughter's come off or your son's come off because she's not following our instructions. Yeah. She's listening to you. We'll try and get her back on, but only when we feel she can listen to our instruction and not yours. Yeah. And that kind of puts the ball in their court. And if you, and because you've got rolling subs now, you can put her back on. If you start shouting, say, oh, off you come again. Yeah. And just say, you know, she's listening to you, not me. And it's, it, it puts the blame on the, on the parent. Oh, yeah. And it might make them shut up. And if they don't like it, well, there are other options, aren't there? There are other so, teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, move it. Okay, so let's move on. We've got parents who say, we need to replace this player. <laughs> Now, I'll go back to another example. My first team, okay, we were under 10s. We've just played a game, we've lost, and a couple of goalkeeping errors had led to this, you know, contribute to this. The, we're in the club. The mum is sat two or three yards to my left. And the dad walks up to me. From the left, same, same dad of the star striker who wouldn't shut up and was shouting. Yeah. Walks up to me and standing in front of me and says, we've got to get a new keeper. I mean, the, my heart sank, it did. Yeah. Um, the mum is sat two, three yards away, absolutely hears everything. He blatantly says it. I mean, I was still young. I said I was young. I was new into managerial. I, I didn't know what to say. I, was just, I just said, you can't say that. Um, I, didn't, I just didn't know how to deal with it at the time. I, I would deal with it better now. I would just say, shut up. Don't be stupid. Yeah. This is our goalkeeper. Um, what, what do you do to it, those sort of parents when you, this player's got to go? We need better players. It's horrible. I mean, again, going with the the girls' team, we've got. I they're not too bad, but I, I get the odd message about a couple of players saying, "Well, I mean, we're especially now we've got um, a new team, so we due to the success of the." the team and the way the Fries girls football is going, we've now got a new team. So we've got two teams in the age group and I'm getting messed Well, this girl could play up this team and we can, well, no, th- this team is there at that team. They've been with us now two years unless they want to. And I, we believe, I believe it'll develop them football. Maybe if they were playing at a level, which suits maybe where they're at, that's you know mine and the management team decision the, the other coaches it's not the for the parents to say well maybe that person should go down and this person and i've already had a couple of messages about that um which at the moment i'm just ignoring because it ain't gonna happen that the the girls that we got and so again like i said we're going to be doing different positions and stuff like that but i will there could be potential where they do move because what i look at trying to look at it is what will suit their level of football there is I've got one girl in the team at the moment who looks when she's playing you know she doesn't look as comfortable as confident or as happy and the last comment is as happy 
Um, she's generally happy when she's half-time and off the pit and when she's sub. Now, that might be a conversation I have with that parent and say, look, I want this person, this girl, to be happy playing football. We might swap her then. But that's for us to decide rather than the parents. And again, I think I'm going to get a lot more of that because I think September, October, when we're playing them in different positions and we're doing stuff, we won't win games. So that actually takes back my second team. You know, um, thinking about it, we had, I had quite a lot of players and I was trying to create a second team. So I, was, I went out and I looked for more players and I got more players in. And I quite literally said, these are the 15 I've got. The next 15 will be that second team. And that's what we did. And I created a second team and I found a manager for all of them. And for some reason, from that point on, they referred to me as the manager who didn't want them. As, as though they were second-rate players. And I was told, I kept saying to them, there's players in this team I would much rather have in my team than some of the players I have. You are better than players I have. However, I quite literally went, this is the team I have. I am creating a second team. It's, it's next in the door. So back then, I wasn't going better development. It's quite literally, these are the first 15, these are the second 15, on you go. And they were really good players. It was just a matter of these came first, these came second. But how do you deal with those parents, though, who say that player's got to go, this player's better, we have to get rid of them, they're rubbish. It, it's no, because, again, for my lot, and I, I, I will re, we'll have another meeting before the season, that they're going to, well, this season, they're going to be under 10 girls. So this is the new team. This is the old team. Um, We've got the thing at the moment, because the old the old team, as I call them, rather than anything else, we're seven aside. There's going to be ten in that team. In the new team, the squad will be, at the moment, 13. Once that squad gets only... And then we can have a maximum of 14 in the squad. So if we get anyone else, they go into it, and that'll be the 14. Anybody else after then then we will obviously move people up. I don't want anybody not playing. We've only gone with the 10 for the old team because, like I've already said, they're successful. And they're inve more, they're invested. In the two years, unless they're really ill or there is a major family thing going on, they turn up. All weathers, there. The new team, I don't know the parents as well. I don't know how invest. So there's going to be more chance that maybe a few of them it might not be what they're all about. So we'll go the 10 and the 14. And that's how it'll be. Um, and the, the parents will be get told this. If they don't like it, it'll be, well, this is how it is. Like I said, there are plenty of other girls' teams around. Yeah, yes, I understand this. But somebody comes to you and says, somebody in your team, yeah, yeah, I've got a better player. Yeah. Much better player. It... it and you look at her and you're like, she is better player, but how do you deal with that parent? Not, not from your second team, as in I've got a better player who wants to come. And listen, mate, I'm sorry, we're, we're now not winning. We're, we're under 12, we're in a league, we're second in the league, we're not going to win it. Come on, we've got to win this league. We're, we're, one, we're yeah. one player away from winning this league it, and this is player will make the difference to us. When it's under 12s, I mean, I've, there's, we have, I have one player potentially who will join us from another team um, it might not be this year it might be next year I think it's, you know it'll, and she, she is better than a lot of what we've got but it will be clear at the moment 
we got I got the advantage. I must admit, if it's next season, we go nine aside, <laughs> so I got a bit more leeway. Um, but if she joins now, I've got one player who is better than who's in the new team who is better than two, two or three currently in the other team. But how do you deal with those? Pa- how do you deal with the parent who comes to you and says, "Look, these these players it, here aren't good enough. We've got to get better. No, if well, we're going to win this league. These players are better. We've got to bring them in." When it's under twelves, it might be different. Until under twelves. Okay, so say you are now under 12, or so you're now under 13s. You're playing yeah. 11 aside. Yeah. You're third in the league. Yeah. And you've got three players who are costing you games. Yeah. A parent comes to you and says, I've got, I've got three players here who want to join us. If but I, these if, players have been with you since they were five. Then I, I'm sorry, I will, st- I, I will stick with what I've got. So how, that's what I'm saying. So how do you deal with the parents? The, I would then say to them, the philosophy is, these are the parents, players we've had. And I won't be one of those. There are teams in and around... Us, I'm not going to name them. Um, no, I wouldn't even do a, something that that have got that reputation. Yes. And my argument would be right. So, if I had a parent come to me and I'll say for your daughter, uh, right? If it was say my daughter Emmy, and I'd gone to and think right, I would say well, if you say that, but your child, what happens then if a parent comes along to me and says I've got somebody who's better than your child? Do you want your child out of the team? Because Ronaldo's come along with his daughter and said, well, she wants to play. Yeah. What? Okay, but she plays in the position of that parent. That's how I would argue it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you do get clubs, and there are clubs that do that. And inevitably, these clubs that seem to do that are very successful up to under 12s, under 13s, under 14s. And then suddenly the whole team go. They fault because... Yes, they do. And I I can actually think of numerous examples where that has happened. Yeah, where they've over, tried over the to time. get players in who are better than what they've got. The thing that annoys me more than fa- on Facebook and when you see the grassroots looking for a player is an experienced, first-rate, eight-year-old goalkeeper striker. You think, yeah. hang on a minute. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so, th- so, yeah, that's how I would deal with a parent. I would say, look, what if I get somebody who comes in who's better than your child? Are you going to be happy for your child to be dropped yeah. or not play? All right, moving on to the, the next next point I want to discuss, which is kind of linked, actually. So the parent then comes along and says, we need to be more or less results-focused. Okay, I think this goes back to what I said earlier, the last two years. <laughs> okay, well, we're thinking for the future now. Future. You're, you're, in a, you're in a league, I'm, you're in a competitive division, yeah. and you're either still playing the friendly way, yeah. or you're so competitive that it's putting players at the lower end of it out of it. But either way, the person is not is, a, is going against the philosophy yeah. that you're promoting. Again, it's diff- it depends what philosophy you want to do. If you're in... And I think that's where parents have to decide what they want to do for their child. I think if you're going to, a, say, a first division side, a second division side, you know it's going to be competitive. They're going to be all out to win. And that's fine. Um, and the parents in that probably understand that and probably do have that mindset because that's how it's been. If you're in divisions five and six, it's not going to matter. And it does frustrate me. With some coaches, again, I won the under 12 or under 13's division three title. Well, no, that's not for me. But if I had a parent who was, it's all about winning, winning, winning. If, it's difficult because it's and, and, and your philosophy of the team is all about like, developing, developing rather than winning. Yeah. yeah. Then 
is difficult. Once it does get to that, I think... Like I, w- 13, I would, 14, say, I would say there that the way to win it is to develop. Yeah. Because this is what... We go back to our original team. We lost players by the time we entered the league because I'd said... I'm not worried whether we win or lose. I want to see. I want to develop the team. Everyone is equal, and we were losing games, but we were winning games. But everyone was get, everyone was yeah. developing together. By the time we reached the league, we'd lost two or three players to, so say, better teams because the parents wanted to go and win games. They weren't winning anything when they went there, and those players had we stuck together. I'm convinced we'd have been second division at least. Oh, at least second at least. Division. And then obviously, you know, we'd have been developing as a better team and all that, but. They were so desperate to be winning games, even though in, there was nothing on it, that they had to go quick. And it's like, you, if you'd all stuck together, we would have developed as a, as a squad and you'd have a really good squad. Instead, these players kept on being pulled away by their competitive parents. And I think it cost us as a team, because as you know, there was one point where we, we barely managed to get 11 on the field yeah. or nine on the field, it was nine aside, and we were close to folding. And in the end, we had to, we had to, change, we had to change our philosophy that, that season. Otherwise, we knew we could fall apart. And that's caused by parents being too demanding and we had no choice but to change. Yeah. But had they all stuck with it and gone, look, saw the wider picture, which was we all develop together until we reach that competitive stage. And if you remember, I put out, a letter to everyone and told everyone repeatedly right from under sixes under sevens this is how we'll do it so they all knew the plan yeah. it wasn't like oh why are we losing these games why are you doing it this way they all knew the plan and they all saw it they all knew it was coming it wasn't like it was a shock to them that why are yeah. we suddenly losing games why is this happening but they jumped and I think as well from a pair, from a player's perspective from coaches and even the parents perspective in some ways I do do wonder with the competitive side certainly we find with the girls towards the end of last season whether it was enjoyable being be winning all the time well this is it go back to um, Dr. Omley the uh, California polytechnic guy <clears throat> they said the, the priority being able to play with their friends in an anger free environment is clearly a higher priority than winning game yeah. but it's also a mistake to think that kids don't care who wins no. so I think there's that, that balance yeah. isn't there and that obviously the problem. older they get because obviously you look at our team now our under 15s now the majority of those kids and we're, we're fourth division you talk about the first division second yeah. division we're fourth division they want to win and they, they, they care if we lose and they're, they're into the but thing that's an under, age thing yeah, isn't it they're now under 16s this season yeah that's an age thing and it will be more about the, they do want to win stuff um, which is understandable and, that, and it, again I understand what, from my point of view for parents as well when you get they're getting to the age now where winning and stuff is important. They'll be going for job interviews. And this is what you're trying to develop as a grassroots coach, no matter what sport you do. And a lot of parents have to realise the chances of a child, all the children, millions and millions, well, millions, hundreds of thousands of children in under 10s foot, football, boys and girls this year, I know, say there's 200,000, out of that 200,000 that are doing it, Parents have to realise 10 to 20, maybe 30, at a push, will make it in the professional game. Yeah. Um, so you look at the odds of that child making it. So parents have got to get that out of their heads. 
that would be that's just an added bonus and blah blah blah. Um, so then winning games and everything, that makes it is it's irrelevant. It is about development. This is it. That's why I said again. This is why I said at the tournament of the girls on um, on Saturday. I, uh, I don't care if you win or lose. I want to see you yeah. enjoy it, have fun, and f- have fun, and try and develop, and try that- and learn. That was it. I and and you know, hopefully they did. They had fun. They got medals. Yeah. Uh, results didn't matter to me and at it's, all. Not certainly not at that age. And you're right. I think you have to have a clear guide. I mean, I will again with my parents in August. We'll have a meeting. I did one at the end of the season to reiterate what the plans were for this season. We'll have one at the beginning, and this will be. This is what we're going to do. This is the plans. Um, the results will be irrelevant. Hopefully they, in some ways, I hope they don't carry on winning because that just puts more pressure on it. But it that that'll be the plan. And again, if they don't, I think the problem is you'll get parents who totally agree because I think it'd be hard to disagree. At, you know, they're nine, ten-year-old girls that they they have to go out and be nasty and win or be ultra competitive. But then you'll get the individuals who then say, "Oh, I don't know." And like you said, I think we had. Whether they think they're going to make it as professionals, I don't know. But as to get maybe as high as they want in the football pyramid, they go on to teams who have this philosophy. But I do believe if you go... Personally, my own belief, if you take a, your child to go to a better team to replace somebody, and they're happy for that to happen as a club or a team, they will replace you. They'll happily replace you, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So moving on to the next one. Parents who shout abuse, just generally. How do you deal with that? Again, I, I, I won't, personally, I won't tolerate. If I hear of anything, the issue we have as managers and coaches is with the other side, generally. I mean, even when I've left, I've, I don't hear it half the time. So you only get it secondhand from other parents and other maybe the opposition um, that a parent has said it personally I think if you hear anything derogatory to any player any ref any coach or anything or any other you know parent to parent for me it's a straight red and they're not allowed at that I wouldn't have them there anymore personally I think it's yeah, for me that's an easy one it's just no if you're, if you're capable of giving abuse to somebody you shouldn't be around anywhere near grassroots youth sport not just football any sport yeah going back to dr dr omley um he said the top reasons young people drop out of sport are usually i was no longer interested or it was no longer fun but when you dig a little deeper into that a lot of it is to do with negative behaviors from parents coaches and other adults in youth I mean, so it's it's to do with the the shouting and the abuse. I mean, when I say abuse, it's like just generally yeah. shouting at the referees, shouting at the other coaches. I mean, I've already seen um, today on Twitter on the ref ref UK ref sport UK um, feed about uh, fighting at an IBA tournament. I don't know if that's adults or youth, and a stabbing, and it's the preseason tournament. It's like ridiculous. I didn't hear about it wasn't stabbing, but. There was a local tournament in Bristol under 15s where there was a punch up this weekend. 
Really? That's unbelievable. I mean, what is going on? Well, we had a punch-up at the tournament we were at. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> and you're that under, was the players, but yeah. And that's under nines. Yeah. So that wasn't that was the, was the players, was it? That was the parents. That was, the, yeah, the, the parents. It was yeah. The, yeah. But, I mean, this is under nines football. Yeah. So eight-year-olds and the parents are getting into punch-ups over it. Yep. So let's, let's hope with our tournament <laughs> this coming weekend, we have a bit more of a, a relaxed atmosphere at that one. Hopefully. But I mean, okay, so we say about dealing with it. So what, what is the solution there? Because the solution in most clubs, or our club, is the codes of conduct. Yes. But we've all got them. We make them assign them every year. And yet it still happens that as in you still get the shouting. Yes. You still get the... Even the previous, the previous discussion points about um, instructing the children to do things when you're the coach saying, you know, you're, you're the coach saying go left and they're saying go right. And that sort of thing. We start, you know, how valid are these codes of conduct or does everyone just pay lip service to it really? There's a lot of lip, there is a lot of lip service and there's where you draw the line. That's, that's the key. Um... Again, you could, I mean, we've, we've covered it in earlier podcasts about the abuse towards refs, um, which is unacceptable. I generally, maybe we've been, for, maybe I've been fortunate in the sense I've not generally heard abuse towards players, um, or, or to be fair, I've not had it on pitch side from. Um, any parent or anything towards me not abuse but I can remember going back to um, one game and it was against our very very closest rivals and one parent whether you call this abuse I don't know but one parent stormed on the pitch at the end of it and grabbed Caleb and said how old are you because he's tall he was way taller than everyone and that it's not so much abuse as, oh, well, is it? I mean, because you're grabbing is, hold of a child. It, it, you, this is, this is like abuse. a, because he was, he was eight at the time. Yeah, he was eight. And you're, you're grabbing hold of a child and the parents are nowhere near and demanding to roll his age. It's obviously fighting in for him. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Get off the pitch. Yeah, I suppose, he, yeah, you do, you do get incidents like that. And it's, no, and then I said that was an opposition. So that was down to, and well, the opposition, and he dealt with it. In fact, yeah. you know, not, not, and, 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 you know, and, and, and Gary dealt with it absolutely yeah. fine. But, you know, this is... And again, this was friendlies. Yeah. <laughs> it's all friendlies. And it is, it's down to the clubs. This is where clubs have got to be strong. You've got to have... If you've got somebody who does that as a club, sorry, that's it, job done. You're not, you're not in that. And, and I, would, I wouldn't have any parent do that. I wouldn't have any parent give any child or have a go at a child... I mean, I, I. It's it, it where I, it gets difficult, and we've had I've, and we, I we we had um, a cup semi final. Um, again, uh, with the girls, and there was a decision that was given. It, it, the ball again from where we were was the opposite. It looked it potentially gone out for a throw in. The ref, who was fourteen, again at this age they don't have linesmen. So, and if it had crossed the line, it literally had just gone over. He said, play on. We went on and scored from that goal. The, uh, 
abuse from the opposition fans towards the, this the ref, and then their coach got involved. Again, no way could he see if that ball had gone out the line. He's 40, 50 yards away. Yeah. Not a chance. But he said, they won't lie, they won't lie. And just to defuse the situation, well, we won't have a goal, you can have the throw in. Because yeah. it, would have, it could have got nasty. If I'd have said that no, he's given it, they've got to stop giving abuse, it could have really escalated. So from my point, I just said, you know what, to stop the ref getting abuse... Or, or was you know, or getting shouted at? Abuse is probably not the right word. He wasn't being called names or anything. It was he was just getting shouted at. Was to just say, it's an under. Even though it's a semi-final, it's still an under nine girls game. Have a throw in. Can you remember we played uh, another fairly local team from just up the uh, the road heading towards Whitchurch? It wasn't Whitchurch, but it's heading that way uh, at our place. And the, I think we were either under sevens or under eights. And a shot came in. And I was stood on the far side of the goal. And Argy would dive down and saved it. Yes. The ball was not over the line. But his back was to all of the opposition play, uh, players and parents. And I said, not over the line, ref. And the ref said, OK, as our ref. He goes, OK, yeah. no goal. They went ballistic on they the did. line. All their parents shouting and screaming, calling the referee a cheat, calling us a cheat. And it was our ref, wasn't it? And in the end, yeah. he said, fine, have the goal. And they were like, if I remember rightly, on the game, they were already 6-0 up. On the match, they were something like 10 or 11 or 12, one up at a time. And this was under sevens or yeah. maybe under eights at most. And you're like, how, well, for one, how sad are you for a start? Yeah. But the abuse we received from the opposition parents was ridiculous. And if you recall, we never played them again. No. And that was my... Yeah. and that's the, that's the one thing as managers you can do that is the power is you say, do have we're not playing them yeah. until we get to a league where the league forces us to play them and, and I, I have in fairness uh, in a previous team refused to play a league match yeah. against a team where um, I've said have the points I don't care and I've, I've heard I mean there's a few we've got, there's two other um, gentlemen who manage teams where I work and there's one team who will refuse to play who are currently refusing to play another team because of the shouting and abuse that they get when they play them but the thing is this is where the the league should be backing that team or at the very least saying okay we will come along and we will stand and we will watch they get they got fined for not playing them exactly but the league what the league should be doing is coming along and standing yeah. and watching and saying okay what we'll do is you play it we'll come and watch you and granted, this is adult football, so the leagues should still be. No, no, no. Sorry, no. That not those. That isn't children. The next, this sorry, this one is is when my brother was a ref. He was refing an adult game, um, and um, there was a big punch up. He got punched against this certain team. Two weeks later, he got told to go and ref them again. He refused. Eventually, he went down because he said he'd get protection while he was there, and there was another punch up. And there was nobody from the league there. He was promised there'd be somebody from the league there to protect him. Nobody was there, and he got punched again. Granted, that was adult football, but the, like you are correct, the leagues, if they're going to support this and help refs, help coaches, help parents, you know, players, um, they've got to back the people that are getting 
the, the uh, I mean, there was. Well, I've discussed on the pre, on the, yeah. the refereeing podcast the reason I quit refereeing adult football yeah. was my lack of support from so, from, so from, the from abuse have, from yeah, players. The but, leagues have got to support this, yeah. um, and if if you justifiably or you have a case against parents that are abusing say the, as a, if you're as a coach and they've come up to you like, like those incidents in under seven because unfortunately up to probably let's be honest now up to under 16 it's normally the home team that is refing or it's the coaches that are refing and like i said i think the the, the words i won't accept when i'm going to ref this saturday and sunday and part of the coaching I won't accept cheat. Mm. Um, and I won't expect expect anything towards the players. No. Um, and that that's highly important. But I will also not expect parents to... I, I, I wouldn't tolerate them having to go at a coach. No. Um, I think parents... Or anybody involved in anything has got to realise... You might disagree with certain views and different opinions they're all people giving up their time yes 95% of the time for the general good of other people's children absolutely absolutely yes and that's what I think sometimes well that's what a lot of the time people just forget I know they say all oh, the red mist descends I'm sorry I've been in football now all my adult life and pretty much all my junior life. So I've been involved in football ooh, 46, say let's say 46 years. The red mist has never descended on me. So don't give me, oh, the red mist descended. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, sorry. Control yourself. Yeah. Grow up. And it's what basically, which I think a lot, again, grassroots coaches, again, in all sports, um, are doing. I mean, while I said slightly going off subject and stuff, with in grassroots football, I think maybe it's just our team. I'm not sure it is with every team. The engagement we have with parents is far more than in other events. I said my daughter's here at swimming. She's been here two years. I've not ever had a conversation with her coach. Really? Not had an email. Not had anything. Don't wouldn't know how they see what how she's doing or anything. But you pay a lot more. Oh, I pay a fortune. Yeah. But you didn't think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's a foot that I don't know if it's a football thing. Yeah. Whether the parents, I, which is bizarre, but yeah, swimming and I've been told like this. Well, my daughter did ballet. Nothing, and the ballet, they got paid for it. I know the swimming coaches don't get paid, mm. but they they don't have any engagement with the parents at all. Fair enough. Okay, so mm. moving on to our next one. Um, how do you deal with parents who erode both the coach's authority and the children's enjoyment? Now, Jack Wharton from the FA has banned problem parents from the touchline, but he's in a position where he's at the FA. He has that power and control because he's working for the FA and the players who come to him, well, they're in a certain position being there. We're in a slightly different position here. What he also did in a very different position, in a different way, um, where he had one very active, uh, very vocally active parent, was give them a job. Yeah. Not not as a not as a coach, but say as an analyst, and say right, I need you to each week watch a player and tell me how much time they have the ball at their feet. So you're giving them a job to do, but 
how do you deal with those parents who start eroding your authority? I've, I've had it in my previous team where they started to erode my authority, or they tried to, and I found out about it, and fortunately, the, most of the parents were with me um, because they didn't like the way I was running the, running the team. And I was like, this is how the team is being run. Uh, and in the end, they left. But you know. Yeah, I think in, if you get... I mean, again, fortunately, I've not had that. I, I I I encourage to get the parents' views, and certainly if they if they see something that they think we've done wrong, or has been said wrong, or any, I I encourage that view. So I encourage an open discussion forum with them. So hopefully, if they've got a real big issue, hopefully it comes out earlier. Um, if I knew there was a parent who. Again, it's one of these great things, what they say, if you want to moan, here you go, you can do it. Yeah, take you the can, whistle, take the flag. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite happily. And, yeah, but they don't, do they? And then that, then they back down from it in most cases. And if, and if they yeah, no, they want to do it, then I almost would say, well, have a go and let's see what happens. I think that's the answer, really, isn't it? All those you start to sort of say, you know, have a go and all that, it's, right, Here's the whistle. There's the flag. Yeah. There's the team. You know, sort out the uh, the training tasks this week. Sort out the plan, and you can deliver it. Yeah. Make sure you're here half an hour before and set up. Good luck. Well, I'll see you at the end of the session. Yeah. And see and how they go. Say, yeah. Give them a week or to say, right, you're in charge next week. Yeah. So this is it. So you've got to do team selection. Well, make sure you get hold of the opposite and all the job and all the time, and then we'll we'll discuss it a week later. That is probably how I would deal with it. And watch them back away a, mile, a million miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's another one. Dominating parents produce robotic children. So, during one game of five-a-side football, uh, Garth Smith, a junior football coach and trainee primary school teacher, noted down all the instructions parents... <sighs> okay, so... Um, Annoyingly, the battery died halfway through mid-conversation. So wherever we were, we're now having to pick this up, and that's so frustrating because we, just, me and Mark, have just had an absolutely fantastic conversation about not producing robotic children, about how we want the younger ones to learn to play, and then the older ones to have that knowledge and be free and run with it. Um, and you might not hear any of that, so I really do apologise. So, but I will now move on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. It was a really, really good conversation, wasn't yeah, it? it was Probably brilliant. the best thing we have ever done in uh, our entire yeah, podcast history. And it won't be recorded. It won't be recorded. <laughs> really sorry about that, listeners. Um, moving on to the next point. We've got a few left, so the time is running low for us now. So, parent comes to you. My boy, my girl, plays in this position. I think I've covered this already for what we're going to be doing next season with my team. None of them are going to be playing in their same position for more than eight weeks. But how do you justify that to them when they say they do? They do. This is it. They're, they're a striker. They're a defender. This I, is the first time you're doing this. Yeah. I, I've so had what to, would you have said last year to them? I've had to justify it to myself. It's personal development, personal growth, and they will learn to be better players. They will. Um, so I've had to justify it to myself. Mm. Um, so, and that's, and you know, and I've, accepted it I'm so going, how are you just about to the parent how what have you what have you been saying to them that they will you know first of all I, I have said if 
bizarrely, it's the defenders don't want to move. They, 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 they're scared, they're frightened. I won't force a player to play anywhere that they don't want to. That, that's first. Yeah, they'll so, make it unenjoyable for yeah. them. So yeah. it has to be enjoyable and fun. So first of all, uh, make sure that it's a genuine request that they stay in a position. If not, the general thing is that the midfielder will learn to read the game better if they play in defence. They can see more. Yes. And as you know, as they get older, a lot of midfielders do tend to drop yeah. back into defence. Um, your defender that will go play a striker will learn to look what out for when they're defending because they've done that role. They, they will see different aspects of the game and they'll appreciate more what that person has done, learned and stuff like that as well. So overall, that's what I'll be telling them. Hmm. Um, and it and plus, I've got one coach who's very keen on it. I'll just go, go and speak to James. <laughs> Fair enough. Send him, send him towards James. Go yeah. and speak to him. Go and speak to James. That's he knows all enough. about it. Um, okay. Next parent. Why are the team playing this way? And I'm not talking about the, the um, playing this position. A diff- another a completely different thing. You're playing 2-2-1. Two, two, You're playing 1-1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Whatever formation. Or a, a certain philosophy. And a parent comes to you and says... Why are the team playing this way? How do you deal with those parents? I think, again... You're talking about your coaching philosophy now. Yeah. Justifying your coaching philosophy. Uh, again, it's like, I think you have to have a clear plan for the parents and everybody at the beginning of the season. You have a meeting. You will tell them this is the, what the coaching team has decided we're going to do this year. This is it. If they have any... Because it's the beginning of the season. If they come to them and say... Blah blah blah. They say, well, we're doing it to develop the team, develop the, the girls or the boys. This is it. But at, doing it at the beginning of the season, we'll do it at mid, you know, early August. Give them a month if they don't like it to go and find another club. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing in in this situation is is you having a clear picture yourself yeah. of your playing philosophy, your playing style, your playing formation. I mean, you yourself know with, with our team, our under-15s or under-16s as we are now going to be, formations, although we, we have changed formation, we've now kind of settled on a new formation, but I'm not afraid to change formation no. mid-match because if, if, it mean, if we can see that the opposition are, are dominating because of a certain formation, yeah. formation then we'll change it. But... You have to be confident in your processes and your procedures. And any parent who comes to you and says, why are you playing this formation? Why are you playing this philosophy? As long as you're confident in your own knowledge and your own procedures, you can answer them. And I think that's the best way of dealing with it, isn't it? Just know your own... Be comfortable in your own skin and how you do it. And again, I I mean, I have a philosophy, like I said, of having an open discussion forum with the parents said basically oh, I certainly am there are a lot more that are qualified than myself but we're all generally parents and if somebody has got so I think you'd be naive to ignore all the suggestions that parents say because you're not going to be right all the time but the bottom line is you are the one in charge and, and like I said as long as you've got that clear philosophy what you're going to do what you want to do what you want to get out of it and you don't then most parents so far have they, they've got to go with it. There, there are so many clubs out there, and unfortunately, well, unfortunately or unfortunately, I think it's the under 16s. We've got what 
four, maybe five that have been with us since under sevens. Yeah. So players do get and go to other teams, might come back because it hasn't worked out, um, and they won't. Ag- you, people aren't going to agree with you all the time. Mm. And you have to, as long as parents, for me, the main thing is you might disagree with what a coach is doing or what, and you're entitled to that. You're obviously entitled because you've got to do what's best for your child as your as a parent, as your priority. Just don't be nasty or don't have a go and just make sure it's polite. And I think coaches, you know, you can't take anything too personally if somebody goes. But parents, what they're... Like, like I said, what coaches and people leaving grassroots football is because you can get some nasty, vile things said. Yeah. Um, have a difference of opinion. If you want to go elsewhere, that's most coaches are fine with it. Just be civil with it. That that's the bottom line. The last few points. Um, my boy or girl had one minute less than this player. Yeah. How do you deal with that parent? And that that has happened on uh, tournaments are a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. Our tournaments are fli- generally it's because the ball hasn't gone out of play. Yeah. Um, I make a thing of trying to get everybody equal game time. Yeah, I, as do I. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. we do. Yeah. That that that's a big. Fun. It won't happen every time. I can remember there was one game. Again, tournaments are the worst for it because they're ten minute games. And we were going to make subs after five minutes. The ball stayed on the pitch for the next three and a half minutes. What can you do? What can you do? Nothing you can do. And to be fair, the parent, but the girl, a couple of the girls were in tears because they were, because it was the last game of the day. It'd been equal all the way through. Right, next time the ball goes out, you're on. And it just didn't go out of play. Yeah. Um, to be fair, the parents were okay about that. You will always get that. I think, personally, I think if you're in a... This is my opinion, again. And if I was if I was at a club that certainly... Up, we'll go with the FA guidelines of non-competitive up to under-12s. And I went there, and I was at a team, and my child only played 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I wouldn't be at that club much. Yeah, any. you just simply go yeah. elsewhere, don't I you? I mean, again, there's a thing on a tournament where a, a lad who... The parents knew he wasn't great, the greatest player on in the team. They appreciated that. They were at a tournament for six, seven hours, and the lad played four minutes. That's just wrong, isn't it? I mean, my, my policy has always been, and this is, as you know, this is my third team. Our, our, our under-15s yeah. is my third team now. I have always had the same policy of, if I will change to the best team once everyone's had an equal amount of time. Yeah. So if we get to a semi-final, and everyone's had an equal amount of time, we'll then go for it. Yeah. If it means it's the final, then that's the point we do it. Because, yeah. you know, I, I won't change it after three games and there's still two to go, or whatever, however many it is, because if you're going to win a tournament, you win as a team. team yeah. so once, for- once you get to a point where everyone's had an equal amount of time and you can no longer divide that up, it's like, okay, this is now the point we can do it. And I think football is a team game so potentially that last point about the minute I think maybe me and you probably haven't had that issue because we do our utmost yes we do to give equal game time so we probably don't have that no criticism because I think it'd almost be it'd be hard for a parent to justify that argument I'll tell you why it comes from me because for most of my youth career 
I was the last five minutes sub. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was, and I, I had that philosophy. So for yeah, I don't. We don't get that. Right. Um, two more, and it's our solutions now. Solution one: hold a pre-season meeting with the parents. I think we've gone through that. I do that. You do that. Does it work? Yes. You, th- you think because. So yeah, I, yeah, it does work generally. Cause, but you, you say that, but you're still going to, like you said, you, we still have parents who will shout, parents yeah, who will fight. Yeah, you'll still get incidents, still but get I think it restricts and it lowers the, I think, the amount, because maybe we could probably do one mid-season as well just to reinforce it. But generally, people know how it is. Because I, I am slightly a bit more cynical, and I think the same for things like the codes of conduct. So I think... You have the meeting, but whether they pay full attention and less so the codes of conduct. Even the codes of conduct, I think, are just pointless. I think, yeah. they're, I think they're lip service to FA mandates and guidelines. Yeah, um, yeah, it can work, but if the parents don't like, if, if if you have it and then the parents see something they don't like, that's going to go out the window personally. But yeah, I, I I I've not had it yet. Most of mine have been pretty good. We'll see how it goes this year because we're changing a bit of the philosophy. So it might be different. I might have a different opinion um, this time next year. Finally, adopt an open forum for discussion and ideas. Now, whether that's an online open forum or just say we're going to have a meeting every three weeks, every month to have a discussion of of of, gen, of open of general ideas. So it could be team ideas, changes to the team philosophy. Everything, so a complete open forum for anything goes. Yeah, again, I think we... Uh, that, we um, that way, could that work? Is, I, this, is, this is where I'm divided. Like I said, it's what we do, it's what I do. I will speak to all the parents. The joys of WhatsApp, that is the biggest open forum going. Um, so this is what we do, and from a coach's point of view and the time it takes up to do that is, and then you've got like I've said earlier about the swimming where I've not spoken to the coach in almost two years hmm. yeah and yet Emmy still enjoys the swimming do the coaches see from my point stuff, you can't have a team run by a committee no. you still have to have the manager making those decisions or the management team however big or small you know one two or three however making that decision you can't have an open forum where the all come and say we think this should happen by all means put in views but it can't be this is the no, new way forward yeah i think yeah no we i get yeah i agree they all put in views some i will take on but i will go back to them and say understand where you're coming from this is we won't be doing it at the moment or that change won't happen now and give an explanation. Um, but, yeah, it is, it, it is, it's, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, she's just come up with a smile on her face. I don't know if she's, you know, yeah. uh, so, so, yeah. Okay, well, we're about to end it there. Um, before I launch into the don't forget to email us, I will just mention that we have received an email at last and it's from a Nigerian widow. Would you believe it, Mark? We're in luck. A Nigerian widow wants to invest six million in us. So I think, I think we're in luck. It's a, it's a great podcast and we thoroughly deserve the six million. <laughs> so she could transfer ASAP would be much appreciated. Fantastic. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it up there. Mark, thank you so much for your time. And thanks, Andy. Have a good evening. You too. Everybody, bye-bye. Don't forget, you can email us your questions, comments, random thoughts, anything you want to share with us at greengreengrassroots at gmail.com. We are on Twitter 
at Fight Club JFC, on Facebook, which is Fight Club Junior FC, and the club website, which is www.fightclubjfc.co.uk. You can type out a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you like us, then please give us five stars on Spotify. You've been listening to a We Haven't Got a Clue What We're Doing production, produced and edited by Andy Glover. <laughs>